Bloomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, most of you heard my story. I came from the trades, was an electrician all of my adult life. It changed me in so many ways. For someone who barely graduated high school when I got into the trades, I went from 18 years of age throughout the rest of my adult life, and I was never, not one day unemployed when it wasn't my choice. And that was because the trades were so good to me. When I finally found the focus of my life in the place that I wanted to invest myself, very quickly I became good at it. I, I, I studied and I just was came became immersed in the trades. Um, I've talked about sitting in this chair and picturing who I'm speaking to. Um, you know, it's weird sitting in a soundproof room and talking to yourself uh, all day. So you picture you're speaking to someone. I picture people in a work truck. That's my life. That's where I came from. You know, cooler for lunch, five gallon bucket full of tools and getting the job done. And uh, so this is an exciting interview for me. Joining us right now is Robert Hughes, president of Canyon State Electric and uh, talking about build your future. Uh, First of all, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about build your future. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Mike. It's the Build Your Future of Arizona. It's a great project of the Great Feeder, uh, the Greater Phoenix Chamber Foundation. Um, it's dedicated to creating a sustainable and skilled craft workplace for highlighting high-paid construction careers the training opportunities and mapping career paths uh, for all employments within our industry. So let's talk uh, specifically about our industry, where I came from and where you are in the electrical industry. A journeyman electrician can make how much money a year with benefits? Now, what is the average in in the greater Phoenix area? In the greater Phoenix area, it's about 70000 and increasing drastically with the demand that we have right now in our industry. And how does that compare with other skilled labor, other trades? Other trades that's right in line, um, HVAC technicians are making around 65000 as an average. And then that's just as technicians, and you get into the project management level, you're making anywhere from 98000 and above. So the programs that are out there now seeking out young people, and is it, I, when I say young people, so we're not just picturing people coming out of high school, but anybody out there that wants a career change, that wants to do something, how are you recruiting people to get this skilled labor in the workforce? So we're we're going to speaking at high schools. Uh, we are going to um, other small colleges as well, and just ultimately the word of mouth and truly getting this out there with Build Your Future of Arizona. If you go to the webpage at careers.byfaz.org, again that's careers.byfaz.org. There's over 500 available available positions open in Arizona right now in our industry. Um, I have been, I've got a, a big association with EVIT, the East Valley Institute of Technology, which is a CTED, and in West Mech out in the West Valley. Are you working with those institutions as well? Yes, sir, we are. So we go there and we speak with them, um, not only the different career paths, because it's one thing just to become a tradesman, but once you get into the trade, you realize that there's a million paths you can take of getting into the office from compliance to project management, but truly to staying in the trade, becoming a foreman, a superintendent, and making great money. Um, we offer um, apprenticeship programs that's paid for by the company, and by then you'll be debt-free and making more um, than a lot of people come out of college right now. There was just a piece of legislation that was passed that now allows these CTEDs, or people that don't know, career technical education districts, they are now allowed in their adult ed program to offer a two-year degree. So someone that's working for you now could go and actually get a degree in project management or something else and further their career that way. Yes, sir. That's correct. Yes, we, what we do internally, we try to guide them and help them and get any grants or anything that 
will help them get to that level of their career. Let's also talk about a diversity. One of the first uh, people I worked for was a woman named Michaela. She was one of the people that m- kind of mentored me when I was an apprentice and she was a journeyman. Uh, how diverse is it now for men and women in, in, in the trades? Because it classically has been j- uh, mostly dominated by males, but that's changing a little bit, isn't it? It is a, a great, great point. So right now, women account for about 11% of all construction workers in the United States, and that's compared to about 57% in the actual U.S. workforce. And that number is drastically getting higher and higher um, as women realize that there is, it's not just a, you know, a man's world, this is a device, device, diverse world for everyone, uh, women and men, to get into the trade. Um, I talked about the housing shortage we have here in Arizona, whereas, you know, in the, at the peak in 2006, 2007, we were building about 65,000 homes a year, and we're not even in half that right now, and it's a labor force issue. Is it the same way in the commercial and industrial trades as well with the shortage of workers? It is. Um, so by 2024, we're looking at there's a shortage of about 265,000 craft professionals that are needed. So over the next year and a half, the training and getting people into the trades faster uh, so we can get them up to speed by this demand that's going to continue over the next couple of years here. And let's talk about entry level. Um, when I had my, I had a very small co- uh, contracting company, but we were never anywhere close to minimum wage. We paid even entry level workers higher than minimum wage on the job sites. What is an entry level wage for an apprentice in in the trades right now as they start their training to move into that higher wages? Yeah, an entry level, they're making anywhere from twenty one to twenty five dollars an hour. Um, just starting out um, as a apprentice one is what we label it as. That's pretty. That's that's an inc- that's an incredible starting wage for a lot of people. <laughs> yes, it is. That's incredible. Um, like I said, we have an apprenticeship program too that you can send them through, and you also within four years have your journeyman's license in the state of Arizona making journeyman wages, and be debt-free when you come out of the school. I should have asked you at the beginning of this, how did you get into the trades? Um, kind of like yourself. I went to a – first I went to a four-year school. I realized that was not what I wanted to do. And, and it was always grew up working with my hands. Went into a trade as an electrician and just kind of worked my way into the office. After um, I went to the apprenticeship program, became a journeyman, and just quickly realized that I had a business mindset as well, but care deeply about the trade itself and how this is an industry that there is a million paths and you can make a really good living of getting into the trade. Um, so then from there, I try to give back to the community um, by doing be, 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 Build Your Future of Arizona and just our apprenticeship programs that we're, we have available for everyone. It's hard to explain to somebody until they experience um, that that feeling of accomplishment. You know, I still, I've, it's been a long time that I've been out of the trades, but to still drive around town and point out projects that I was a part of or things that I worked on, there is a sense of pride and accomplishment in seeing that stuff still around. And it's hard to explain that to someone, but once they're on a job site and they feel that it's hard to replace that feeling it really is i mean that is why we do what we do every single day it's the, the pride that goes into and how cool it is to what we what we build i mean we see some really amazing buildings um meet with amazing owners who have this vision and we're able to put that skill and that art and that craft to them and present i mean amazing looking buildings and just the careers alone that are in the industry are you could make a great living out of it all right so the last question is about requirements is there an age requirement is there an educational requirement what are the requirements to reach out and try to get a job in the trades right now um 18 years old um is our requirement 
and uh, looking for a GED and anything higher. But we have um, apprenticeship programs and also education internally that we can help uh, get those people to that certain level of education and get them into the trade sooner than sooner than later. All right. So anyone out there that wants to get involved, it's www.byfaz, as in build your future AZ, byfaz.org, correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I'd love to talk to you in the future and see if you're making big dents in some of the need for these uh, skilled craftsmen and women. And uh, it's just a great conversation. I look forward to doing it again. Yes, uh, me too. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. That's Robert Hughes, president of Canyon State Electric with Build Your Future Arizona. Uh, I've talked about the trades for a long time. Entry-level wages around 21 bucks an hour, and journeymen are making somewhere in the neighborhood of $70,000 a year. Not a bad living and making and accomplishing quite a bit in the meantime, which is very, very cool. So I hope you'll look into it. www.byfaz, as in buildyourfutureaz.org, and uh, get on your path to your career. We sure need may need quite Qualified labor out there. Um, we're going to talk about the economy in a moment and which congressman admitted that they knew all along that their plan would cause inflation. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's The Who are headed to Auction Pavilion October 30th for their Who Hits Back Tour. You can win a pair of tickets by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. Fascinating interview you're about to hear a little piece of, a little snippet of. uh, Congressman James Clyburn from South Carolina was talking about inflation, was talking about people's concerns about inflation. And this is a very strange answer to the question. Um, I talk, as you hear me say the, 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 the word policy quite a bit, policy, policy, policy. And um, the pushback is this is happening all over the world. That's happening all over the world. It's happening in other places, which is true. But there are contributors. There are things that either help or hurt when it comes to a situation, and it all has to do with policy. So the question to Representative Clyburn here is about prices and about growing prices, about the price of everything going up and people's concerns. It's interesting what he has to say. Well, let me make it very clear. All of us are concerned about these rising costs, and all of us knew this would be the case uh, when we put in place this recovery program. Anytime you put more money uh, into uh, the economy, prices tend to rise. And uh, we do know that price gouging takes place. And that's what Senator Warnock is concerned about down in Georgia. We knew that the moment we went to aid uh, the Ukrainians, the Russians would do what they could possibly do uh, to undercut this administration. So they cut this deal with the OPEC nations to reduce the production of oil so as to drive the price of gasoline up. So two things there to unpack. Number one, we knew this was going to happen. 
you know, the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't reduce inflation. All of the things to help America that they said that they were going to do, as he said, we knew. Whenever you put more money in the economy, prices tend to go up. Then he shifted there to the price of oil, knowing that when we did what we did to to support Ukraine, we knew that the Russians were going to make some kind of a deal to do this, to drive up uh, or drive down production of oil, drive up the cost of oil. This is where I scream policy at the top of my lungs. This is where I scream about policy. The national security implications. Let's go to the cost is very, very important. Let's go to the national security implications. Think about OPEC and think about the oil producing nations that hate us. Think about nations in the Middle East. You think about nations like Saudi Arabia. You think about the Iranians. You think about the Venezuelans. Not a friendly government to us. And, of course, the Russians. These oil-producing nations now, we were a net exporter of oil. We are no longer that. We were energy independent and a net exporter of oil. We don't do that anymore, which means those nations realize that militarily they cannot compete with us. But economically, they can sure drive us to our knees. And that's what they are trying to do. And this is where this whole conversation for me spins on this. We can come to a common, um, I guess, agreement, maybe. If you are someone that believes we need to go to electric vehicles and renewable energy sources because petroleum products are ruining the planet, that's the president's plan. That is the entirety of the president's agenda comes out of the flows out of climate change. There's no doubt in my mind and there shouldn't be in yours anymore. Even if you believe we need to be on that pathway and we need to be on a faster pathway than we've been in the past, you also have to acknowledge that the world is still using petroleum products. And why aren't we the leader? What other nation do you trust to do it safely? We do. Do you trust the Russians to be safe? Do you trust the Russians to be environmentally conscious when they draw a petroleum or natural gas out of the ground? And on top of all of that, look at the national security implications of what's happening. Now, they're going to dramatically reduce in November the, the amount of oil pulled out of the ground. It's going to drive up the barrel of oil, going to drive up gas prices. And there's very little that we as a country are equipped to do to offset that. So we're trying to rally other nations and we're trying to do other things and look what's going to happen in Europe. But it's policy, policy, policy. They knew when they put more money into the economy, it was going to drive up prices. That's coming from a leader in the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives that said they knew that ahead of time. They knew our help for Ukraine was going to drive up the price of oil and they knew that putting more money in the economy would drive up the price of other goods in the in the country. Policy. It is about policy. It's not about personality. Coming up in a moment, uh, Ron Wolfley joins me. We do our bird's eye view segment every week after a Cardinals game. This week it's a win, so I can't wait to talk to Wolf next. Broomhead talks Cardinals with color analyst and former Cards fullback Ron Wolfley. Oh, my digging the chili of what the Cardinals are mixing up. Bird's Eye View, brought to you by AZ Valley Windows, Arizona's most trusted window replacement company since 2004. 
right, he is in studio with me, Ron Wolfley, uh, out of the gate. What is so different about this team all of a sudden? It can't just be DeAndre Hopkins, is it? Yeah, um, you'd like to think that right now. Um, I don't know why. Do you hear that ringing in your ears right no, now? It's, this it's, is it's that absolutely yeah. horrific <laughs> right now. Thank yeah, you, you very you much know. for that. Um, what was the question? DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. Is, is yeah, he yeah. really the difference maker? Is he all the difference in what we saw last night? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, you know what? Honestly, Kyler Murray went out there and had his first 100 plus quarterback rating of the season. Now, he's, he's had a couple of games that were very, very close to that. Yet, the Arizona Cardinals as well offensively responded. It certainly looked better than what we have seen so far through the first six games of the season. It definitely looked better. Um, that's encouraging. Yet, at the same time, the offense still has a long way to go. When you saw the confrontation on the sideline that everybody's kind of talking about between Kyler Murray, is it that everybody loves to see the fire out of the quarterback, or is it that people don't want to see the head coach being spoken to by a player like that? Yeah, you know, that it's to me, it's just I, I giggle to myself, only from the standpoint, um, I've yelled at a couple of coaches that I've been involved. Um, there's a difference between yelling and being disrespectful as well, and I think Kyler can't do that. I think Kyler's got to be respectful as he yells at Cliff Kingsbury. You have to do it. There's a way to do it, in other words, and I think Kyler Murray still developing, still growing. He's got to learn how to do that. I don't mind seeing fire from a quarterback. I don't know about right. you, but I don't mind seeing that at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's something that a quarterback has got to do. Got to show that passion. And yet, at the same time, you've got to do it in a respectful way. I think this is just still part of Kyler Murray growing and maturing as a quarterback, but I kind of giggle at it because once again, um, a football field and the testosterone that is out on that football field, and you know, and I make no apologies for it whatsoever. Uh, sometimes it's a jaw to jaw, face to face yelling match. Yeah. Well, and after last weekend with Tom Brady and his offensive lineman, when's the NFL going to learn? You don't put a microphone on the <laughs> sideline, <laughs> a live broadcast. I know. I, I listen. I, I don't know what to say about it, Brew. I just know that uh, back in my day, there wasn't a lot of that going on. There wasn't a, every now and then. There might be a microphone. Some player might actually be you know wired or, but it was very very rare. A boom mic. They yeah. have the big boom <laughs> mic out, but it was very rare. You didn't have to worry about it. And uh, you know that's one of the things that I think is a little bit difficult for a player today to actually deal with. So this defense continues to show that it's for real. But two pick sixes in the first half. Talk about this defense and what you see. Well, first of all, the defense uh, incrementally has gotten better and better ever since the first six quarters of the season. Disastrous. Remember the four quarters against the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, that was run for your lives, everybody. Yes, it was. And then the, the first two quarters of the Vegas game, even, they looked, they gave up 20 points. The Cardinals looked lost defensively, offensively in that game in the first half. And then we know they came back and won that 
that game. But since those first six quarters, they have incrementally gotten better and better and better. And these young guys are coming around. I said this from the very beginning of the season. I said, I want to see Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons be able to make plays that change games. I don't care where you put Isaiah Simmons, oh. bro. I don't care where you put him, okay? If he's if he's a DB, if he's out in the slot, if you put him on the edge and let him play outside linebacker, if you back him off the ball and let him play inside linebacker, I don't care where you put him. I want to see him make plays that change games just like he did last night. Mm-hmm. Made a play that changed the game. Listen, the, the defense was responsible for 17 to 21 points on that scoreboard. Stop and think about yeah. it. 14 points they scored themselves. Two touchdowns. Okay? But also... Antonio Hamilton's pick in the end zone. That could have been a touchdown. That's that's a 21-point swing. Or even if it wasn't, if he batted the ball down, now all of a sudden they kick a field goal, it's a 17-point swing. The defense totally did their job. They won a game once again for the Arizona Cardinals. The offense got better, and that's encouraging. But to me, the defense and what they did... They won another game. Is there a time in a young player's career? First, it's the establishment of, hey, I belong here. You walk in an event. At some, at some point, you feel like you belong in this league. But after that, is there a point when a player just is so confident? Like uh, Simmons looks like he's ready to say, watch this. On every play, he's he's gotten to a point where it's not just that I belong here. I'm going to dominate. Yeah. No, I think um, this, is, this is what I want to see him do. There's so much confidence that can be gained. And I know we think of these hyper aggressive alpha males. Are you kidding me? They're confident people, Wolf. What are you talking about? Yeah, they're human beings just like you and I. Human beings need that confidence. And confidence is the currency of competition, bro. Never forget that. It's the currency of competition. You buy and sell performances based on the confidence level that you have. Think about you know going out and trying to pot a plant. If you don't know how to pot a plant, you're you're not going to be very confident and potting that plant whatsoever. And because of that, you're probably not going to be able to pot it the way that plant needs to be potted. (laughs) I can't even believe I used that analogy. (laughs) Yet at the same time, I can tell you right now, it's so true. Confidence is so critical, and Isaiah Simmons is growing in that confidence. Last question has to do with the big trade in the San Francisco 49ers. How much does this trade change the division? Yeah, um, you know what? It sucks buttermilk. Can I say that right now? The Amish say it sucks buttermilk. I'm going to say it right now because that's what it does. How did you get Christian McCaffrey? All right, the only good thing about this, and I, I do like Jimmy G. I want I want that to be heard. I do like Jimmy G. But Jimmy G's a game manager. That's really what he is right there. He's a game manager. And um, that quarterback is still a question mark when you get in the most important games you could possibly play. Christian McCaffrey is going to make the 49ers better when he plays because he gets banged up a lot as well. So that stinks. Do they jump now? Are they the, the front runner for the division? And this are they now going to be predicted to go deeper in the playoffs because they've added this piece? He is, when he's healthy, he is a game changer. <laughs> he's a game changer. He, he definitely is. He does not hurt them. He makes them better. And because of that, I think right now, yeah, the roster, when you look at the 49ers going forward, their roster is the best in the NFC West. Even with Jimmy G, the game manager at the queue. And we're going to see them in November. 
And uh, that should be an interesting yeah. matchup. Can't even believe it's November. I know. That's that's the first time you're going to play the 49ers yeah. in November. Yeah, as, as McCaffrey gets a chance to learn the playbook and get used to the system. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going yeah, with I'm that. Just, yeah. I, I'm, I, I hey, already listen, circled it on my bro, schedule. You know what? That's so far down the road right now. I just baby steps, man. Okay. Baby steps. We All need right. this offense to continue to get better. Wolf, as always, it's a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you after the next game. All right, bro. Thanks, brother. That is Ron Wolf. <laughs> That's Ron Wolfley. Uh, we'll be back in a moment talking about election officials. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And thanks for joining part of the show. I want to remind you that during LASIK's King LASIK season of saving, LASIK for both eyes is just $3,500. With this $2,000 savings and 0% financing for 24 months on approved credit, LASIK with Dr. King is only $146 a month. You can go to kinglasik.com slash Arizona for complete details. Great deal. Um, the election integrity conversation has gone on for a very long time. Um, I think that there is, in my estimation, that there is not enough attention paid to both sides of the aisle that have said it. Um, and I'm not, I don't think that either side of the aisle that has said it has been right, to be honest with you. I, I've talked about my own differences with the audit here in Arizona. I think that there is a bit of, not danger, but I think it's a better move to move on to 22 and 24 as opposed to staring back at 2020. But this is a different story on this topic. Um, Election officials are probing alleged uh, voter intimidation at the ballot drop boxes. Uh, Because of the documentary that was done by – by some people, uh, Dinesh D'Souza and his group called 2,000 Mules, there are people out there that believe that there were over 2,000 people that were used that were distributing ballots across the country in ballot drop boxes and stuffing boxes, and this documentary goes through that. So because of that thought, there are people that have posted themselves outside of ballot drop boxes and are watching voters drop off ballots. And I'll tell you, there's a mixed bag in people's opinions. What do you have a right to do? You know, we talk about law enforcement. You have a right to take a picture of a cop when when they're doing or videotape an interaction with police, but you can't get too close. You can't interfere. Is it the same right to do that with a civilian or with a person that's just an average person out in public? Do you have a right to follow somebody and videotape their every move? In this case, when you've got if – if any of these allegations are true – You've got a woman that said that her kids were videotaped, she was videotaped, she was followed, she was harassed and being accused of being a mule. And so they are now they've opened an investigation into this. I think it's bad practice, um, to be very honest with you. I think it's bad practice to do anything like this. It doesn't do us any good on either side of the political aisle. And I, I think that what, what's happening right now is we're, we are losing a lot of respect for each other. And a lot of people are laughing, saying that's happened a long time ago. No, but I mean in practical, the way things are. If you go back, and I cannot remember, I believe it was the first term that uh, President Obama won office against John McCain. The narrative, which I don't believe was a, was a widespread narrative, was there was no way that racist America was going to elect a black president and that there were going to be all kinds of ways that people were going to try to stop people from voting for a black president. So the new Black Panthers distributed uh, people. They had people standing posts with sticks and clubs outside of voting centers, and a lot of people called that voter intimidation. 
And they said, no, they were just there as a warning to allow people. They were there to protect the freedom of vote, not hinder it. Um, And I would say that this group of people is trying to make the same claim. They just want to make sure people are being fair. The problem is the interpretation of what's happening, the way that we treat each other, the way that things are being done. And and I don't know that there's anything productive that's going on. I don't think you're going to change anybody's mind. People are going to do – this is going to happen with groups of people. The generalization that – I hear it all the time. uh, Social media especially is nothing but generalizations. That if you are this politically, you are this socially and morally. If you are this politically, then your morals are different here and you're a different person over here. And and that part of it, I think there's got to be a way that we defeat that. There has to be a way – That we say just because – and I I learned a long time ago that just because I am on the right side of the aisle, that I am a Republican, it doesn't mean that I have the corner on patriotism and the left has the corner on crazy. There's plenty of both to go around in both parties. And somehow being judged – your character and your morality being judged based on your political choices is something that causes a lot of these problems. The ultimate suspicion that if you are – If you're a Republican, Democrats cheat. If you're a Democrat, Republicans cheat. And and at some point, you have to – we have to stop either looking at the extremes or paying such attention to the extremes. If somebody's broken law – because in this stack is also stories – it's funny how the the headlines about voter intimidation – Couple in Mesa accuses group of filming following them from a Dropbox. This is at KTAR.com. Um, two more Arizona women charged with harvesting small number of 2020 primary ballots. And this also at KTAR.com. Um, what's interesting about this to me is both are wrong. So if the headline were to read anyone, I'm not being critical of headlines. I'm being critical of the way we think. If somebody were to say um, – Voter intimidation accusations against a very small number of people or only two people. No, voter intimidation has been accused. The other side of this is someone else has been arrested for ballot harvesting. But it says it's only a small number of ballots. So, you know, it it is the way we think right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. And if we are going to say we want to make sure the elections are fair and we don't want people to be intimidated, then let's stand by that. Let's as citizens make sure that we are fair in the way we behave and we're fair in the way we treat other people. And we allow people the ability to um, to vote the way they want to vote. And I know that there are some out there that believe that 2,000 Mules is a documentary that proves something. And in all candor and all honesty, I I know Dinesh D'Souza a little bit. Not very well. I know him a little bit. Um, But, you know, Michael Moore makes documentaries. And when you have an agenda, your documentary fits your agenda. And I just wish we were a little bit more civil with each other is all. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, school districts dealing with teacher and staff shortages. How are they able to do it?